Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, new restrictions on the advertising of alcohol come into effect today. It is, of course, largely aimed at promoting responsible drinking and also protecting children uh, from alcohol advertising. Basically, the new laws in a nutshell ban alcohol being advertised in or on a sports area during a sports event. They also rule out alcohol ads at events aimed specifically at children or those that would largely involve children or also those involving driving mechanically propelled vehicles. Welcoming the measures today, the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly says, the restrictions are designed to protect our children from exposure to alcohol marketing as part of their everyday lives. They'll also limit the association of alcohol consumption with sporting activities and with motoring events. Uh, he'd previously told the Dole that research consistently shows exposure to alcohol advertising is associated with an increased likelihood that children will start to drink alcohol or will drink in great, greater quantities if they already do t- do so. Now, in a moment, I'm going to talk to CEO of Drink Aware, Sheena Horgan, uh, about the legislation, what it precisely entails and what she and organisations like hers believe are, you know, are the benefits of this type of advertising. But I want to ask you, do you think that banning things like alcohol advertising, even tobacco advertising back in the day, that came in around 2000 there or thereabouts, do you think it works? Do you think it has the desired effect? Uh, looking at some of the comments online today, many people thinking that this legislation actually doesn't even go far enough, uh, stating that although tobacco products were banned completely, you know, it, it's, why is it not being done the, the same way? Just completely ban all alcohol advertising. But then, you know, they banned, smo- uh, they banned the smoking advertising and people still smoke. So does any sort of advertising ban ever make an impact on whether people consume the product or not? Get in touch with the show and let me know what you think. 087-188-0008. But as I said, I'm joined now on the line by Sheena Horgan, the CEO of Drinkaware. Sheena, thanks very much for joining us on the programme today. Would you start maybe by just giving us a broad outline of uh, this new um, legislation that's come into effect today and what it actually means for the advertising of alcohol? Sure. Well, the the Public Health uh, Alcohol Act of 2018 has various measures to it. And basically, it's a suite of legislative measures which which are trying to address harmful drinking in Ireland. And certainly as the national charity working to address and reduce the harmful use of alcohol and tackle underage drinking, Drinkware is very supportive of that act. Now, there's various marketing measures within that act. And listeners may be familiar with some of the ones introduced previously around cordoning off the sale of alcohol products in retail outlets and banning advertising close to schools and multi-buy deals, etc. So these latest ones, as you mentioned in in the intro there, are specifically around sporting events. So it's around prohibiting the advertising of alcohol products in or on a sports area during a sporting event. Now, there are certain exceptions to that. For example, wearing alcohol-branded clothing, I think as long as um, the event itself isn't primarily aimed at children. And then it's also about banning the, the sponsorship or the advertising of sporting events which are aimed primarily at children. So just to be clear, this doesn't cover things like senior rugby, senior GAA, senior football matches. So these are part of that suite of measures that are, that are all within the Act. OK, so tomorrow the All Blacks are playing uh, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland in a, in a big uh, rugby, one of the November internationals. Mm-hmm. It's going to be broadcast the length and breadth of the country. 
you're going to have, as there will be in my house, the adults and the children mm-hmm. sitting together watching this. And yet when it comes to it, if any of the major alcohol companies want to sponsor an ad either on the side of the pitch or uh, in a display advert or during the promotion of the team or during the ad break on the telly, we're going to be seeing it, parents and children alike. Does that not kind of make a mockery of doing this in the first place? Well, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting point and it's like the questions you very rightly asked at the outset, you know, will it have the desired effect? Does banning work? And, and examples that are given there. I think the important thing about the Act is that, as I said at the outset, it, it's a suite of legislative measures. It is one set of of interventions and preventions, if you like. But these need to work alongside a whole load of other measures. And really for an issue as large as, as a difficulty in the difficult relationship we have with alcohol in Ireland, we need to take a multifaceted approach we also need to look at the likes of education, awareness and information, as well as at the environmental measures around, around marketing and advertising for sure. You know, the, the bottom line here is, will this curtail youth drinking and certainly will curtail the exposure to alcohol products and, and some of the advertising and marketing? And exposure certainly increases familiarity, increases normalisation. I mean, that's part of its purpose. And studies have suggested that reducing that or increasing that we, you know, reduces, uh, relates to increases in risky drinking amongst children. So the, there is no silver bullet, so to speak. We have to look at a multifaceted approach if we really want to address the issue that we have. And that's where organisations like ourselves come in. But one element of that that sticks out like a sore thumb for me, Sheena, is when mm. you say, right, we take a multifaceted approach. We are banning any uh, any use of alcohol promotion in and around children's sporting events. But if the team is sponsored by a drinks company, that child, and we all know that they love their sports jerseys and they want it year after year, season after season. And if that team is sponsored by an alcohol brand, they're wearing it on their chest or on their back. But yet the advert can't be there, you know, it can't be there if in a school, you know, in a child's sporting event, but it can be for an adult and it can be on a child sized jersey. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at the data and the stats around Ireland and our young people are so enthusiastic about sporting events and, you know, be it GA, be it football, be it rugby, be it basketball or whatever. So there is absolutely, you know, huge exposure there. To be honest, when you look at even TV viewings for non-sporting events, you might have your Carnation Street, which have huge percentages of children watching them as well. Mm-hmm. So the area of marketing and advertising is a very complex one. I think we really have to start from, from the very simple premise that alcohol has no place in childhood. Right, let's work from that and see where we can reduce exposure as much as possible. But as I say, it has to be done in tandem with the education piece, you know, and that's good best practice, evidence-based education, both in the home and also in the school. Well, I was going to get to that, Sheena, because surely (laughs) most children's exposure to alcohol is when they open the fridge in the morning to get the milk for their cereal and they see mum's bottle of wine or dad's beer. It, it can be. And like we have an, a, an annual barometer and we've been tracking this in particular over the last kind of what we call the COVID years, if you like, the last two years. And yep. We'll see what next year brings. Um, and habitual drinking, weekly drinking, the frequency is certainly on the rise. Binge drinking is also on the rise. And what was of, of particular note is pre-COVID at-home drinking was also on the rise and obviously with restrictions and lockdowns and everything else, you know, that, that's ballooned if you like. What we also say though, and it's, it's really important to try and give a bit of context to this and to give some positivity, um, 
is that we've always found that about 25% of the adult population don't drink and that there's an increasing number, which is around a third, who either have made positive changes to their drinking or would like to drink less often. So it's really, really important that we look at those stats and we build on them and we encourage and promote different behaviours. And next week is actually Alcohol Awareness Week. So there's a lot of activity around that, you know, promoting and supporting better understanding of the facts around alcohol. We ourselves have a public webinar. Um, I think it's on the Wednesday, the 17th. I think my cons people will go mad at me for not remembering the exact date, but I think you'll find it on the website. But, you know, it's about talking to people about their drinking habits, getting the facts, being aware of of the impact that it has, but also, as you rightly say, the impact it has on our children and parental role modelling especially in the lead up to Christmas, is hugely important. And we need to be having those conversations, which I think we are starting to have certainly more and more over the last number of years. You mentioned the importance of, you know, it being, and it is part, the the Act is is part of a a suite Mm -hmm. of measures. So you mentioned specifically the multi-buy deals. You mentioned Mm -hmm. cordons in retail outlets. Uh, for example, the way you used to be able to get, you know, your your three course dinner and a bottle of wine in certain um, in certain supermarkets, you can't mm-hmm. now. The bottle of wine doesn't come as yeah. part of the deal anymore. How, and, and these have been in in you know since two thousand and eighteen on a phased basis. What evidence do we have, Sheena, that the other elements of this suite that are already in place have actually had an impact? Do you know, I I don't think there is enough effort put into gathering and collating and cross-correlating the evidence as as it transpires. And in fairness, with some of those elements, they are only just in, so we won't be able to really measure them, I think, for, for some time yet. But there's also a wealth of information and evidence in different jurisdictions around the likes of, say, minimum unit pricing and about the sponsorship and the marketing. And we need to be collating and sharing and looking at that. I think the sharing of evidence and the sharing of learnings of different experiences of both state and especially non-state and non, uh, not-for-profit um, and charity-related organisations and academic institutions. It's the collation of all of that that is really important to build up a proper picture. We can't look at things through just one lens. We need to examine them through multiple lenses. Hence, there's no silver bullet. We need lots of different um, elements to address this. Takes a lot of time and a lot of resources, Sheena. But also <laughs> just, you know, what about the, I mean, when we were researching this story this morning, mm-hmm. a lot of the commentary online to, you know, news articles announcing this measure coming into force were basically saying, look, this is nanny statism. This shouldn't be happening. People need to make their own choices. People need to be allowed to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you say to that? Yeah, do you know, this is an argument that, that gets presented usually by the public on a regular basis whenever there is any of these measures. And there, there is an element of, of truth and empathy I would have with that for sure. But the reality is when we have a public health issue, we need to address it. And we need to address it through both environmental and legislative and then societal, attitudinal, research, education, behaviours. We need to take all of those different elements and, and try and pull them together. And this is only one piece. This is only one part of the puzzle. You know, there are lots of things that we can and should do. So, I, I, you know, I absolutely have a certain amount of empathy. But when we have an issue around habitual drinking, when we have an issue of underage drinking and children as young as 13 consuming alcohol, like 
alcohol has no place in Irish childhood and we need to make every effort possible to redress that. So we need to make sure that our, our adult activity, our commercial activity and everything else, you know, does not have that negative impact on our children. So we do need to address it and that requires some of these measures. So we absolutely would welcome the Act and its, its phased introduction but also then where it sits alongside all of the other activity that's happening. Very finally, Sheena, what about the next elements of this Act? Where I mean, you mentioned earlier there the, the minimum unit pricing. There's been yeah. huge complications in Scotland. That was to be enacted there, God, over a decade ago. And I don't even still think it's been implemented. Where well, are we here? It, it, where we are here is it's being implemented in January. And one of the interesting things, and it, it's, you know, coming back to your nanny state um, argument that was presented by a lot of the public, when this was first being discussed a few months back around MEP, or not it first last being discussed uh, around MEP, um, there was a lot of kickback from the public going, is this nanny state? I don't understand, you know. And what we've put together on our website is an MUP explainer which just goes through some of the elements to explain what it will mean. What it essentially means is that it's going to be difficult to buy a very, very, very cheap beer or wine or spirit. And that is a good thing because it will evoke a certain behavioural change that we have to do. Will it affect people's pockets? It will affect some. It won't affect others. If you are looking to buy, if you would usually buy... So therefore, Sheena, it could be viewed as being extremely discriminatory then? Arguably, it, it could, but you have to look at the audience that it's, it's specifically trying to address. And MUP is, as I say, it's one element of that. The other elements that are, will also be coming in are the likes of labelling and the advertising. So the general advertising and the messaging that goes on to that and the messaging that goes on to labels. Um, and they all have to go through EU the constrictions as well, you know, EU ap- approval systems. So we'll see where we go with them, but they'd be the next two due. All right. Well, look, uh, you know, again, many people saying that it's already expensive enough here in particular because of uh, government VAT and excise duties on alcohol. But Sheena Horgan, CEO of Drinkware, thanks for giving us the broad outline of this new uh, law change around alcohol advertising in the children's sporting arena at the very least. I don't know. I think it's it's kind of that Irish thing of speaking out of both sides of uh, of the mouth. You know, I I, I see... The reasoning behind it, I agree with Sheena that, you know, alcohol shouldn't play a role in Irish childhood. It does. That's the honest truth of it. It does. But if you're going to do this, you know, from the perspective of trying to correct that, think of all those people who are going to be sitting down with their kids watching the rugby tomorrow. So although this rule change comes into effect today... It's been made a mockery of tomorrow already. What do you think? Do you think banning of advertising of anything actually works? We haven't had tobacco advertising since 2000. Many people still smoke and many people still start to smoke in this day and age. Many children still start to smoke in this day and age and they've never been exposed to cigarette advertising. Sharon, you're very welcome to the Nile Boylan Show. What do you think about this? Do you agree that it's a little bit contradictory and confusing? I, th- I think it's a start. I think it's a start. And everything that lady said, you know, I think she has said it all, really. But I think it's a start. It's very, very bad for children to be, you know, sport linked with alcohol. Sport linked with alcohol. Like, they're so opposite, you know. And 
I but Sharon, the reality the, is that dads and mums all over the country tomorrow, if they're sitting down to watch the rugby, or last night when they sat and watched Ireland and Portugal in the Aviva Stadium, were sitting in the confines of their own living rooms, maybe with a bottle of beer or a glass of wine while they watched the match. They did it last night. They'll do it again tomorrow. Well, an adult can, can you know, hopefully show a good example to their children. Um, by sitting down, watch. By, only... but, but, but do you get my point, though? That what, what the adult is doing there is making a mockery of the rule changes or at least Absolutely. showing the contradiction yeah. of the rule changes. Yeah, they, should, they, they themselves be respecting the rule changes. But they, but they themselves are connecting alcohol and sport and they're doing yeah, so in it, front of their own child. And it needs to be divided. It needs to, be, it needs to change rapidly because... You know, there's a huge hidden drinking culture in this country and in the Western world in general. We have a very, very bad relationship with with alcohol, you know, and there's an awful lot of hidden drinking goes on and a lot with younger people as well. And with younger people, it's a lot of subliminal, you know, messaging, you know, so their awareness only gets increases as they get older and then they can make informed decisions, usually kind of maybe in their 20s. You know, when they get sick of this clubbing and just drinking and, um, you know, and also the pricing. I think definitely the pricing needs to go up because if it was more expensive, so a lot of people aren't going to do it. They're not going to pay the prices. Of course, there are people who will, but it will stop a lot of people too. They will just say, ah, you know. But Sharon, I mean, and I know, you know, you're talking about problem drinkers, but there are more people who aren't problem drinkers drinkers yes. than are yes, you know Tara. what about them yes, and it's sort of penalizing them the 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 minimum unit pricing is going to well, as i said to Sheila Horgan, it's your... discriminatory in many respects well if you're sitting down with your child to watch sport it shouldn't be linked because subliminally that's going to link link it in the child's mind you know it's going to link it in the child's mind um and at the end um, of the day, no, uh, no, al- well, in, at the end of the day, no alcohol ha- act uh, and no component of the alcohol act. I mean, you know, I, I see people in the supermarkets all the time, those cordons that we now have to, to section off the, um, the, the off license yeah. area, be it in a petrol station or, you know, your local corner shop or the supermarket. People are walking in there with their shopping trolley and their kid beside them. So my, my, you know, my yeah. point in this is is, is not, yeah, but I'm not coming. I'm not coming from a point. I'm not. Yeah, pardon the point. I'm not coming from the point of view of of condemning people necessarily, Sharon. No, I'm just trying to point not. out the contradiction in it. Why are we making such a fuss about this and this element of advertising if it's only going so far? And anyway, the cordons don't work, and the advertising's not going to work if you can sit down with your child anyway. Like it's just a bit of nonsense. Well, it needs to be, it's a start. Maybe it will, this will make the parents sit up and take notice and realise that it's not healthy. It's not a healthy thing for, to connect sport with drinking. So will you sit down tomorrow with your child watching the All Blacks? I don't know what time the game's at. I presume it's early afternoon and, you know, have a bottle of beer while you roar on for Ireland. Or do you agree with Sharon? This is a start and it's a good start. And we need to start re-examining our own relationships, linking alcohol and sports specifically. Get in touch and let us know. 0871 Let me start that again. 0871 is the WhatsApp number if you want to get in touch with the programme. So where are you on 
advertising bans in general? Do they work? Is it nanny statism? Is it a piecemeal approach that's being taken here with this? A number of people getting in touch with the programme via WhatsApp uh, about the the point I made about jerseys and about sporting jerseys. I wasn't necessarily saying, I do understand that there are some teams uh, who won't have and don't have advertising sponsorship on their jerseys. There are many who for many years have done. I wasn't making the point that they that they that they uh, that they shouldn't necessarily or that they don't or that they can't. The point I was making is that under this legislation, although they're banned from linking children's sport or ch- sporting activities or children's activities with alcohol sponsorship, under the law, under this law, it doesn't prevent an alcohol company from sponsoring a team jersey. There's nothing to say that that is not uh, allowable or permissible. So just so that we're clear on that, I wasn't making a judgment call per se on individual teams who do and who don't have uh, alcohol sponsorship on their jerseys. I'm simply making the point that there's a contradiction here. On the one hand, you're saying, OK, we can't advertise on hoardings on the side of the pitch if it's a sporting um, event for a child. But the players who were on the pitch can ha- could have alcohol branding on their jerseys and the children watching in the stands, if they're wearing their team's jersey, could also have the branding there too. Simply pointing out the anomaly in the law. Uh, Pat is uh, with us here on the Nile Boylan Show. Pat, where are you on this? Do you think that just, look, if you're going to ban it, ban it outright or don't ban it at all? It, it, as regards sporting, it just you, you need to say at an elite level, most of the elite level sports people don't drink. It's one of the things that they don't do. You know what I mean? Well, now but hold on a second. There was actually research done and released a couple of weeks ago drink. about about the GAA, and it was saying yeah, that they, they had been, excessively high levels they, of, they, of of they, alcohol misuse, and that they were specifically binge drinking. So that's sporting. Drink. That's sporting that's, at an elite level. Yeah, it is, but it's been, it's been drinking. And what I'm saying is, it, during the course of the season... Drinking is drinking, Pat. Drinking is it, drinking. It, it, I, I understand that, and I'm fully in agreement with all bands on it. But what I'm saying is, while their season is on, they don't drink. Then they fall into habits of binge drinking, which leads to alcoholism and a bad relationship with it. Like, long ago, if you remember the snooker on, and darts on television I on do go, remember, yeah. The darts there'd be beer on the table. Absolutely. There'd be cigarettes in their hands. Yep, absolutely. You go to the show jumping in the RDS in the summer. Uh, I mean, nearly every hostel Eddie Mackin had was Carol's Irish something. That's right. And then we had Formula One, which was always uh, sponsored every by cigarettes. Every John Blue, well. yeah, Benson and Hedges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. all had advertising. And like, slowly but surely, they all came away from it and they found did. new sponsors but to come pa- in. But Pat, people, until, still, people still drink. And they drink they while do. they're sitting watching the darts. And they drink while they're sitting watching Formula One. And they, they drink while they sit watching. They do, because there's some liminal message. And I'll agree with you wholeheartedly. And it's not that I'm a killjoy that I don't drink. I do drink myself. But I'm just saying, as long as it's the Heineken European Cup, as long as it's the Guinness All-Ireland Hurling Championship, why stop the clubs and teams from putting it on their shirt if the entire competition they're playing in is sponsored by a drinks company? The companies, the, the, the main organisations, FIFA, UEFA, the GA, 
the English Premier League, they need to come away from letting drink sponsors come in and spend. You're, you're fighting against companies, and yes, here's, but, but and advertising budgets. And, and here's the thing, Pat. It, from memory, it was you know it was the organisations that represent the individual individual teams that lobbied really, really hard against this measure, and that's why we have, I think, the watered down version of it being uh, enacted today, which is that it's children's sports and not sports in general, because the drink and alcohol alcohol companies, firstly, they want to be able to advertise to the mass market. What better way than, a, you know, a Champions League soccer game or a premiership game or, you know, a, a Six Nations championship game. Um, but but also the bodies, the sporting bodies didn't want to lose their cash cow. Exactly. And uh, you, you take companies like Heineken, who, again, they had big advertising with the Champions League, but they also promoted Amstel through the Champions League and made Amstel a brand that now people come to the shop, you know, come to pubs and shops looking for. Before that, Amstel was like a Dutch gold. It was a kind of a, a cheapy brand in the corner. Mm. Now Amstel is a respected brand because of its involvement with the Champions League. And so, like, so, long, the, so the advertising it, works then. But, but here's the thing though, Pat, and what about that point that I'm trying to make, that this is actually in effect piecemeal because on the one hand, you're, it, you're, it's, you're, it's saying, you're saying that you want to be doing this, that, you know, for all the best reasons so that we break that link between, uh, uh, you know, ch- children and alcohol and sport. And yet everyone was sitting down last night, you know, people, families, the length and breadth of the country watching um, what was happening in the Aviva Stadium with a can of beer or a glass of wine or a gin and tonic in front, you know, sitting with their kids. Yeah, and look, like, as I said, we, we've a long, as I said to the researcher, we've a long way to go to catch up with other European cities. We have one city in this country, that's Dublin, and I live in Cork City, but Cork is a big town. Go three streets across from the city centre, go from Patrick Street, three streets across and you're going out into the suburbs in either direction, in any direction. It's not a major city. You know, it's the second city of Ireland, yes, but it's a big town and we still have a rural mentality for most of Ireland as regards Dublin. You have something of a, a city thing and you'll see Dublin clubs thriving and they can ban drinks and they can keep the kids away but they can keep them occupied a little bit better. But in rural areas, if, it's, if a team wins a county championship this weekend in Ferrari, when say say load or ask Carmen. Everybody piles onto the back of the cars, whatever, they parade through the town, mm. have the cup in the air, beep the horns, and everybody's to the pub. Yeah. There's nowhere else they can go, there's nothing else, everything like, and as long as long as our entire social scene revolves around and our towns are so small that you know, we have a town with a pub, a shop and a garage in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Those pubs, uh, then the then the centrepiece of that town and the centrepiece of thing and it's like rite of passage. Well my dad did it for my granddad did it for yeah. forty years, my dad did it he's doing it thirty years and he's another twenty in him and I'm going to start doing it now for fifty years and it's just a rite of passage that I'm the next of the Murphys for a, uh, to be a Guinness drinker. I'm the next you know and it's just it's dog eat dog and until the advertising is taken away in some way. Now, and generally, most of the advertising in Ireland isn't too bad around drinks, but around major sports competitions, and especially competitions that the Irish teams are competing in, Pat, the rugby but, teams but, and the soccer but, teams. Pat, that, 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 that um, very descriptive uh, picture that you painted for us there about what happens you know, in areas outside of Dublin, and you're right, it is, we do, we don't, it's not the same, I don't think it's the same, and I, I, I've born and bred in Dublin. I agree with you. It's it's different outside uh, of of Dublin. But that's advertising is not going to make a bit of a bit of difference to that. 
it it's is, still it, going it, to be if you win the championship game, everyone piling on, you know, uh, car that, horns being that, off. But the that's pub. fine. That's fine if it's once a year. But when it's the Guinness Championship, it's inbred for a lot of kids from 16 on, you know, the Guinness All-Ireland Hurling Championship, blah, 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 blah. Or should we have a match? It could be two junior B teams playing out the back of beyond and all 30 players are going to say, they're probably after scoring Guinness. Yeah, I get your point. I have to say I do. I, I understand that. But I, again, it just comes back to, to the, the point of the advertising. Edward, uh, what do you have to think about this? Is this a good start, as Sharon said? Are you with Pat? It needs to, be, needs to go further? Well, I think, I, I think yes, it needs to go further. And <clears throat> really, the one thing we need to start looking at is the damage that alcohol is doing to society. And, and from my area, health is a huge factor. And liver problems are rising in Ireland. Yeah, we've heard that. alcohol plays a huge factor in this. However, and I have to uh, uh, underline this caveat, if we're going to ban this sort of advertising, I would also be in favour of banning things like Kellogg sponsoring anything because things like that are also having an even bigger effect on our healthy lifestyles and healthy people because, you know, advertising is a way of them buying their position in society. You know, you always see, you know, Budweiser or Kellogg's, Budweiser or Kellogg's, Budweiser or Kellogg's. The fact of the matter is that it does affect the way in which you purchase food. Well, I mean, it certainly does. I mean, it's for brand awareness. That's the whole point of it. And I suppose I get your point, Edward. If it's not going to be an alcohol company, then it could be something like a cereal manufacturer that has products with high sugar sugar. content or, or a pizza company or something of that nature. Absolutely. And let's be honest about this. And you know this better than I do is that the cost of healthcare in the world, in the Western world, not anywhere else, in the Western world, is crippling us. We need to be aware. You are what you eat and drink. And if we're not prepared to to put that on our shoulders and cope with the consequences, well then, I think it's about time we regulated what these people are allowed to put in the market. So are you, do you think, Edward, that we should be banning? I mean, again, you know, there's been lots of talk of things like a sugar tax, for example, and certainly at the moment, you can't promote high sugar, high fat products on TV when, during, you know, children's television programming. Do you think we should be looking at an outright ban of all sorts of foods and drinks that would be deemed to be unhealthy? Look, Tara, you know this as well as I do. Back in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, they started this fat was bad and sugar is bad. So sure, look, every day fat. of the week, Edward, we have something different. Salt is good for us, salt is bad yeah, for yeah, us. But, but, fat but is the way to, to go, you know, and, yeah, and then low-fat diets. And Yeah, but, but Tara, it's not always correlation and causation. But the fact of the matter is that since the 70s, late, early 70s, they have been taking uh, fat out of things and what have they done? They've laced it with sugar. Now look at what has happened over the last 50 years. It's shocking what our healthcare system is like. It's shocking mm. the amount of diseases we have. Absolutely. And I mean, Edward... even I, there in the 60s. Yeah, I know. And I mean, the obesity crisis is one that we keep hearing about. A fascinating uh, insight there, I think, you know, with, with good views. Coming up next on the Nile Boylan Show, feeder homeless are telling us that they're seeing an increase in the number of families sleeping in Garda stations again while waiting for emergency accommodation. We'll hear from them. 
Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.